0: Oh sure. Um and also to be fair, like I don't listen to many podcasts. Oh, I don't. Um, so I don't know what's like normal or cool.
1: So. Well, so I, I only <laughs> listen to wrestling podcasts, so I also don't know what's normal and cool. So, like, really, I don't I don't care. The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willette. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience. I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi everybody, how you doing? Welcome back to another episode of the show. Uh, If you are anywhere in kind of the eastern, semi-northern part of the U.S., uh, I'm recording this on that giant snowstorm that we were supposed to get, which I'm not entirely convinced is actually going to be a giant snowstorm. Um, I'm looking out my window right now, there's like maybe four inches of snow on the ground, which is like... Eh, it's not so bad when you're in New England. Um, I was expecting a foot. So, you know, I'm in my pajamas. I canceled everything for the day. You know, we prepped to close the shop tomorrow and do all this stuff. And it's like, eh, it's not that much snow. So I don't really think it's going to make much of an impact. So I'm going to hang out. I'm going to edit some podcasts. I'm going to edit this one for this week and I'm going to edit probably another one for next week and kind of, you know, get a little bit ahead of myself and just kind of chill out. (laughs) Actually, that's funny. So my guest this week is going to be Kelly Carvara. Kelly owns Monarch Piercing in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I've known Kelly you know uh, quite a while. Um, I went down to you know Rockstar years and years ago when when Kelly was working there in uh, Providence, Rhode Island, watched do some piercings there and I uh, went to go hang out with Jeff who uh, who owned Rockstar at the time and Kelly's just one of those like really. Cool pier. I don't really even know how to describe it. I don't want to just say, oh, another cool piercer. But um, Kelly is one of the sweetest, nicest, uh, just most like friendly, welcoming people that that I think I've met in the industry. I don't think I've ever seen Kelly uh, be rude to anyone, uh, be short with anyone, give anyone the brush off. You know, Kelly's always got. Um, it's it 's not always just the smile it 's just it 's like the it 's the smiles she smiles with her eyes um, and uh, kelly 's just a cool person and is a really good arm wrestler so uh, I talked to Kelly about when uh, she went through the process of moving for, from Rhode Island to Tennessee to open her studio uh, the the struggles and the challenges and um, what it 's like being a business owner you know and more than more than just being a piercer and um, the different challenges for for those different aspects of the job so it's a really good conversation with kelly and uh... i've got some some news about classes so uh... i know that i've talked about that glasgow class uh, on february twenty fifth quite a bit but uh... i looked at my calendar and i noticed that i had just a little bit of time before the a p p conference so um, the first week of march i've got to do an a p p board meeting in, in texas uh, and then I've got a bunch of stuff going on in April. I've got the Boston Tattoo Convention, and I'm probably going to be doing a, a class there. And then I've got the APP Conference, which just like takes all your energy to, to get ready for that for a couple of weeks. But um, I had this little opening in my calendar on March 18th. So I, uh, I, I looked, and I found a, a good venue in California, and I'm happy to announce that I've got a class in the Los Angeles area on Monday, March 18th so uh, any of you piercers on the west coast especially the ones that didn't have the chance to come to the class in uh... conquer california in the in the bay area uh... i'm definitely gonna be doing that class in in la it's confirmed registration is open you can go to PrecisionBodyArts.com slash seminars. Uh, you can go to the Body Art Education by Ryan Willett Facebook page. You can find all the information about the uh, the class, and you can go ahead and register. And if you want to just kind of skip the line and and uh, just get right to the registration, you can just email me at RyanPBA at gmail.com. I'll get you set up. I'll get the invoice out to you. And I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, I've already gotten a, a really good amount of, of interest from it. I think there's just so many piercers out on the West Coast. And, uh, you know, there's not... Uh, a, a lot of variety in, in some of the classes that are out there, you know, so uh, you can definitely do uh, Fakir, you can definitely get out to the APP conference, but again, not a lot of people uh, have the opportunity to take private, like, one-off seminars, so I'm happy to do it. I love these classes, I love traveling, and I'm really excited to get out there. Um, I rented a little theater space, it's not going to be in a in a shop, I want to be able to stretch out, spread out just a little bit, and uh, I found a really good uh, a really good host venue, so I think things are going to work out really good for this class. Again, Monday, March 18th, and registration is open now. All right, so uh, enough about those classes. Uh, let's just get into this week's interview with Kelly Carvara, and I'll be back after that.
0: So my name is Kelly Carvara, and I own Monarch Fine Jewelry and Professional Piercing in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We've been open for a little over three years now, going strong, and we'll be relocating in spring of this year. So I'm really excited for that.
1: Chattanooga. It's, it's so much more of an interesting name than Nashua. I like, do people, are people capable of pronouncing that when you go other places? I mean, Chattanooga seems like it's a pretty well-known city. Uh, when I go places and people look at my driver's license or something, they're always like, Nasahua. Like, is that where you live? <laughs> like, yes, that's, that's where I live.
0: Uh, well, I, I mean, I guess the, the Chattanooga choo-choo song kind of put it on the map ish.
1: That's a good point. Pardon. Yeah. I'm not uh, going to sing it either. Okay, good. I'll just, I'll edit that into the episode <laughs> later. So When I first met you, you were at Rockstar in Rhode Island. Is that where you grew up?
0: Yeah. um, So I was born and raised in Bristol, Rhode Island, just a little bit south of Providence. And so Rockstar was the first and I guess, yeah, the first piercing studio that I ever really was a patron of that my friends got pierced at. So that was my introduction to the whole piercing industry.
1: So how did you make the jump from piercing client to piercer? Was it something where you just kind of connected with the staff there and, and got an opportunity, or did you have to kind of push for it, or like, did you have any experience in other shops at all?
0: No, I, I'd never been pierced at another studio prior to uh, being a client of Rockstars or an employee of Rockstars. Um, I used to frequent the place so much, and like I was a super goth kid in high school, and nice. I remember – so. <laughs> Uh, Rockstar's original location was on the second floor, mm-hmm. and I remember one time I came up the stairs and saw Jeff, and he was like, I knew it was you, because I could hear your trip pants jingling. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I used to go in there all the damn time. Like, most of the piercings I have now, I got done, like, when I was 18 or 19, because as soon as I could get piercings, I got so many piercings.
1: Right. What was your What was your first professional piercing?
0: Um, That was my navel, and that was, like, two months before I turned 18, and it was, like, Cool, thank you, Mom, but also like I'm at the finish line.
1: Right. Did you did you have any like this was a bad idea piercing? Like, did you ever have like your eyebrow pierced or anything?
0: I have a really difficult time healing piercings. So I did have each eyebrow pierced, which I struggled with for months and then was just like, This is stupid, and I took them out. I struggled to heal. Nate piercings, I had three at one time, and those were also if you ask Jeff, he'll be like, Yeah, I, I was hoping she would take those out finally, and then I finally did, and he was like, Oh, thank God. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so so who was who was on staff there when you started working at rockstar
0: so when i first started working at rockstar the piercing staff was uh jeff saunders and jay pond and i think billy i don't i can't remember if billy wood was already working there or if he started working there right after but i remember that when i was there getting one of my piercings when i was 19 he was apprenticing and telling crazy stories while i was getting my nate pierced
1: I've heard so many ridiculous stories, like directly and indirectly involving Billy, that I just uh, I, I remember the days when it was like really fun for me to go to work. You know, before I had to be an adult and like run a business. You know, and mm-hmm. it it sounds like you guys all had a lot of fun at Rockstar.
0: It was the best, honest to goodness. It was. I mean, I I adore Monarch and Chattanooga, but when I It was probably the best time of my life. I really, really love the whole Rockstar crew. It's it's absolutely a family there. And I I love, love, love that we all have these matching palm tattoos to kind of commemorate our time there. Because most of us that were there when I was apprenticing or when I was piercing there full time have moved to other states and are doing different things. And so it's, I don't know, it's just really great to think back to when the original gang was there.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can kind of see those special bonds in certain shops, you know. Like, you know, St. Sabrina's and Cold Steel and stuff like that, like shops where people have just they've worked together so long that they're they're part of each other's lives. You know, it's not so much a coworker thing. It's more of like a friend or a family kind of thing. And it's cool to see that, you know, Rockstar was always one of those shops that had this this great reputation, but it wasn't just the reputation of like, oh, yeah, they do good piercings. It was also just like, it was the vibe and the staff and just everything. It was it was like one of those kind of destination shops where it's like, okay, if you care about body piercing and you can get to Rockstar, you should get to Rockstar and like hang out and check the shop out and get something done.
0: Absolutely. Like such a cool atmosphere and probably the hardest thing when I moved out of Rhode Island, you know, it was absolutely incredibly difficult leaving my family and my very young nephew and everything. But like the part that maybe hurt the most was, oh damn, I just left all of my friends. Because they all worked at Rockstar.
1: Right. Well, you know, I, I kind of feel like it was an organic thing because a lot of people were starting to kind of move on at the time, and I don't think it's to knock Rockstar at all because you know Rockstar's still going strong, and you know absolutely you know, great leadership with Peter and everything, you know, and I just feel like it was this organic thing where people were, were ready to take different steps in their lives. And uh, I think it's, Mm -hmm. I, I think it's a testament to the shop that the shop could still stay there and be strong when like, you know, it's got some different staff coming and going and things like that. But everybody that well, just the impression that I get is that everybody who did work there still is part of like that rock star crew. It wasn't just like you know, oh yeah, I worked at Rockstar for a little while. It was like you know, I, I was part of, of Rockstar, and you can kind of see that you know, with you going mm-hmm. off into the world and Billy and, and Jeff and everybody just kind of like you know, they they turned a new page, but it's not like they weren't part of like the Rockstar crew anymore.
0: Definitely, yeah, and only moved on to do like other awesome things. You know, no one no one's like left the industry,
1: right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, everybody's like thriving really well. You know, there, there are definite times where people can be successful in one shop, but that doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to be successful once they leave that environment. You know, sometimes people are, are set up by a boss where they know how to work in in that one shop and they know how to do well in that one shop, but they don't really have a lot of the skills to kind of transplant somewhere else. And, you know, a different shop or a different part of the country or whatever, you know, and, you know, I, I know on this show, like I, I, Fanboy out over Jeff a little bit, uh, you know, but I just think <laughs> that uh it seems like there was really good leadership in the shop, but also really good opportunities, and it wasn't just something where Jeff wanted you to be good enough to work there, he just wanted you to be the best that you could and, and you know that probably it's a skill that that you all could carry on through life too
0: oh, definitely, yeah, like we never felt like we had to do a great job or we'd get in trouble like we always we all looked up to Jeff so much doing an excellent job like for the sake of our clients and just being the best at what he does it inspired us all to want to be the best at what we're doing too so i feel like a lot of us went out of the way or went out of our way to do extra things for the shop and for our clients that we just felt was the right thing to do
1: it's all because of the the wool cap it's all because of that that wool cap he used to wear
0: oh take it back a little further to the waffle house cap
1: oh geez he used to wear a waffle house cap (laughs)
0: Yeah, when I, before I started apprenticing and working there, he wore a camo Waffle House hat.
1: Really? That doesn't oh, seem... Yeah. Well, whatever. I, I, <laughs> uh, multifaceted man of many hats. Uh, no pun Literally. intended. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was cool because like, uh, when I went to Rockstar, that was one of the shops where I really got to see certain things, um, not just used, but used well for the first time. I, I don't think I had really seen uh, other shops that were doing sterile gloves and and things like that so it was cool um to know that it wasn't just like a i talk a big game it was like you know you you practice what you preach kind of a thing you know so um the the few times that i went to rockstar you know and and that was when i think jeff was just setting up the is it was it the thayer street shop am i getting that right the second Uh, shop
0: There's the original shop and Atwell's was the second one.
1: Atwell's. Okay. So I went down, I I watched you do a piercing. I think I watched you do a surface piercing and it was just really cool to see that. And then I went over to the Atwell's location when Jeff was still, I think, building it out. And that was the first time that anyone had ever mentioned, uh, you know, I'm building out a shop that doesn't have a sterilization room, you know, or like a processing room rather, you know, and Mm -hmm. I was just really like, well, how could you? How could you have a shop that doesn't have like a contaminated bio area and an ultrasonic and, and all that stuff? And and hearing Jeff explain it at the time seemed really counterintuitive. But you know now uh, that so many people in the industry have taken to you know the, the disposable mentality and all that stuff, um, it it's it was just cool to, to kind of see it um, that early on and to see how it's how it's grown and and now it's like so much more accepted in the in the industry.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I'm really glad for it. And I'm, I'm very spoiled is maybe not the right term, because it implies that it's a bad thing. But I'm very blessed to have started off on the path that I did in my career. Because, you know, the the mentality of rockstar and and how Jeff practices, his work is kind of like that, that philosophy is all I knew when I was apprenticing. And so when I started working at other studios, it blew my mind that people thought it was acceptable to pierce without sterile gloves. You know, things like that. Or like, you know, let's say a client comes back with jewelry that's, or a piercing that's overswollen, the jewelry's embedded, and they charge the client a change fee or charge them for the length on the jewelry if it's within like a week after piercing, for example. Like, that was unheard of at Rockstar. Like, if, if you fucked up, you paid for it. The shop ate it. Your client is not further penalized. Like, you, you kind of go out of your way to make sure their experience is perfect.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a really good mentality to have. That I never really kind of actively... Th- thought about it in that way, because that's that's kind of how we do it in my studio, too, where, you know, there's there's kind of yeah. a certain line where you know that if they have a certain kind of issue within, let's say, a week, then it's probably, you know, something that the shop could have done better, you know, if, uh, if an mm-hmm. end piece comes unscrewed, or if something's a little bit too tight, or a little bit too long, or, you know, maybe yeah, an end goes off or something. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. but, you know, to a certain point, uh, you, you can 't just like point at the client and be like you you obviously slept on it funny, and you caused this problem mm-hmm. you know I, I remember there was a, there was a piercer who who was kind of a mentor to me back when I first started, and you know he was he was talking about customer service concepts and all these different things and saying something really similar you know if somebody has a problem. Um, within the short-term of, of a piercing like you can sure you can force them to pay to correct that problem or you can just take care of the problem for them and then like the you you earn a loyal customer so that's mm-hmm. a great point to bring up that you don't want to nickel-and-dime people you know I I know that there are some shops where it's like you know okay I'm, I'm using this and I'm, I'm installing that and whatever and you have to pay for every single individual item and I I get that in like a dollars and cents kind of way but you know yeah, I like to think of my clients as the most valuable commodity I have and it's not just about their money it's about their happiness because if a customer's happy then they're going to send their friends and their relatives and all that stuff so um, that that's definitely a good environment to start in because I think I think a lot of other piercers that I talk to they don't get the opportunity to start in a shop with internal thread jewelry and statums and sterile gloves and you know, this kind of like open customer service policy. You know, I think a lot of people have to kind of dig and scratch and they have to deal with this like tattoo shop kind of environment and they have to kind of force their way up. And, uh, I would imagine that, you know, you had a a much stronger foundation to, to build your career on being able to start in the kind of environment that you did.
0: Oh yeah. Way beyond lucky for it because I, I never had to like unlearn everything I was taught and learn everything all over again or. Have my mind blown and be like, What do you mean the jewelry I'm using isn't safe for permanent wear? You know what I mean? Like, I, any piercer that I meet who is like kind of down on themselves because maybe they started off with like a crappy apprenticeship where they were taught things the wrong way or used crappy jewelry or whatever. I, and they're where they are now where they're trying to do better or their best, I shake their hand in both of mine because I tell them all the time, like, I'm not sure if I would have continued piercing if I had to work as hard as they are.
1: Right. Who knows? I, I never would, I would never want to take. Someone's uh, struggles and minimize them, you know. And, and I know that a lot of people. Okay, so whenever I, whenever I put it out there that I want, you know, ideas for the show or feedback from the show, I, I'm thinking from the perspective of someone who's been doing this for a long time, and you know, give me some really complicated subject that I can talk about. You know, let's have a debate about niobium versus titanium or metallurgy and sterilizers and spore tests that kind of that's how i think because of you know how long i've been doing this but the feedback i get is almost exclusively way newer piercers who are all super intimidated by the people who are kind of like oh you don't do this boom you know and they they kind of (laughs) force it on people so it's it's really great to see someone like you who who could have gone down that road, but but didn't because, you know, you you were in this environment that kind of fostered the conversation and the debate and the information, and you're not gonna like hold it over someone's head or you know beat them to death with it. You know, I think a lot of other people, in, instead of having that mentality of like, okay, this is this is a different school of thought and this is what I think is important to to me and, and to body piercing, you know, you could have very much been like you know. Oh, well, you know, you're not worth my time because you didn't start with these things or because you, you can't afford those things, you know? So, um, I just like talking to people like you who are, uh, you know, not dicks, I guess is the best way to put it. (laughs)
0: Totally fair. (laughs) But yeah, I, I feel like when you've been, and this goes in so many facets of life, you know, in terms of like finances or education, like when you have been in a position where you've been blessed with more than someone else, like it's, it's not it's not up to you to like keep it all for yourself. Like you have an obligation to share it with other people. And so I'm incredibly lucky that I had the foundation I did and, you know, the support from my mom and everybody to pursue piercing as a career. And I don't know. I just don't, it's it's not on me to keep all that information for myself. Like when any of us do better, we all do better. So I want anybody who wants to excel. I think they deserve a chance to
1: True. Yeah, true. I, I I totally, totally foster that same kind of mentality. (laughs) Um, do you feel like you ever ran into anyone who maybe kind of like judged you unfairly because of the the way you came into the industry? Was anyone ever like, you know, oh, you had it too easy or, you know, you know you're doing things that I don't do. So I want to try to minimize why you think it's important. Did you ever run into anything like that? Um, a little
0: bit. I mean, like, I can't remember like specific people like, oh, I'll never forget this person shunned me but um i know that there have been a couple of times at conference or other classes where um, and this this is totally excluding you i only realized you did this like mid-sentence but (laughs) (laughs) but, well i'll be taking like my first conference that i attended um i had been piercing for several years already before i was able to attend conference and then when i did in a couple of the classes, they were like, "You don't need to know this. you apprentice under Jeff." And they would talk to like the rest of the class, and it's like, freak, I'm trying to learn this too." Or a couple of people have joked with me, like, "Oh, she doesn't get it. She never had to like beg her boss to carry internally threaded jewelry." Right. Which like, yeah. I mean, if I'm gonna get made fun of about anything, I guess that's a good thing. Right. But, yeah. I don't know.
1: Well, I, I don't know. I I mean, I I think it's cool that you got to start with something and you have a conviction to it. You know, because I I've I've known sort of a flip side to that coin where people do start in a shop where they have they have access to a lot of things that some people might not have access to and then they transplant out of that shop and they kind of act like those things aren't important anymore or they don't prioritize certain things that that cost more money you know someone that learns on sterile gloves i've known people who have jumped to a different shop and have been like well i don't need sterile gloves anymore or people that are that have learned on internal and then they kind of just think like, well, you know, it's cheaper to buy external. So I'll just do this and make a little bit of extra money for a little while and then go back to internal, you know? So it's Mm -hmm. cool because I'd imagine um, someone who kind of, you know, moved out of your, your home base, you know, moved away from a lot of your friends and family to start a new shop and, and follow it an opportunity in a different area. I'd imagine you could have gone a different road and made it easier for yourself. But, you know, having the conviction to stick to what you thought was important, I'm sure cost you a lot more money.
0: Oh, yeah, I could save a ton if I didn't care about anybody.
1: <laughs> right. But on the flip side, too, it's the fact that you care about people that probably gets you so much clientele and, you know, your, your sales and things like that. You know, it's this I wouldn't call it a double edged sword because I don't see anything as a negative. But I mean, um, I I feel like. A shop like mine is successful. A shop like Rockstar is successful. A shop like your shop is successful because of all the work and all the money you you put into it. You know, it's it's an investment, really. You know, so um, for the people that are listening, you know, yeah, you can you can spend. Uh, you know, two hundred dollars, and that's enough jewelry for a couple of months. Or you can spend twenty thousand dollars, and that's enough jewelry for a couple of months. And you know, the, it's it's different shops, and it's different kinds of it's different kinds of business that you do. It's different kind of clients that come in through the door. And you know, if you haven't really started to come around to that mentality, just just try to think of it as like it's an investment. You know, it's not just an expense.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah, you're not just throwing money in the wind. Like I, I'm very, I'm very proud. Like. When I opened Monarch, we've never not carried, like, anatometal, metal body vision, and it, I never felt like, oh, we're just throwing money away, or, like, I hope clients bite, I hope clients are interested in this, like, it, it's kind of frustrating when I hear piercers say, like, oh, I really want to carry quality jewelry, but, like, people in my area aren't going to go for it, like, yes, they absolutely will, you know, you'll have, to, you'll always have clients who are, like, oh, well, I can go here and get it for less, and I can, go here and like what do you mean a piercing cost that much sure um and we still a of that. that yeah we still did that and like especially when we first opened because like you know we're the only shop of that caliber from here to like nashville knoxville atlanta where there are other excellent studios and so when we first started out like yeah there were clients who were kind of like how much but i don't like the clients who are following all these studios and safe piercing on instagram and tumblr and other avenues they're in every city they're in every town you know people want quality in their body or for their children or for their family members and their friends
1: sure yeah Yeah. you know it it's a it's a conversation that i i think i have i think i have a little bit less work to do in that conversation these days because i i think more piercers are receptive to it and they know that it's that it's, it's it's a it's an achievable goal but i think most of them still don't have the confidence or the I don't know, the, the access to information where they can do it confidently, you know, and I think a lot of people still struggle with it. Um, you know, that's one of the, the more common things that I get when I go to different conferences is I, I meet all these different piercers who are, they're trying to replicate someone else's success. And it, it's kind of hit or miss because, uh, the same formula doesn't work in, in every area, you know, like if I, if I'm talking to someone who's in California and I'm saying like okay this is exactly what works for me in New Hampshire, you should do the same thing, maybe they're not going to get the same results, you know. So I would imagine mm-hmm. there there might there must have been a learning curve or some growing pains going from Rhode Island to, to to Tennessee. So talk talk a little bit about how how your shop started and you know why you picked that area and what were some of the challenges you encountered getting it up and running.
0: Well, I moved to Atlanta for a position that you know, fell through and I, um, I traveled a little bit, I guess at different studios to like supplement income in the meantime. And it, it kind of helped me like gain vision of like, you know, what I, I would get things like ideas from different studios that I liked or ideas that I was like, Oh, this doesn't flow very well. Like I would never want to do this at my own studio. And you know, traveling is, I'm grateful for the information that I learned when I was traveling, but like that gets old. I'm a homebody.
1: Right.
0: And I, um, So I came to visit a tattooer friend in Chattanooga and even just like coming over the dam to get into Chattanooga, I was like, oh man, why can't I live here? Like Atlanta's really cool, but like that is not my speed. Atlanta's a lot of city. It's, it's a lot of everything. It's busy. It's fast. And when I first came to Chattanooga, you know, obviously I was taken back by, it's called the scenic city for a reason. You know, it's, it's a gorgeous city, but I also noticed when I was going into establishments like restaurants and stores and things like that, like so many people had lots of piercings and stretched earlobes, like more than a lot of other places that I've traveled to. But a lot of them were wearing, like, ill-fitting jewelry, like super long industrial bars or, you know, plugs and eyelets that you could tell came from the mall and stuff like that. And the the closest studio to get, like, high-quality jewelry that I knew of would be in, like, Nashville or Knoxville. And there wasn't really anything that I knew of in Chattanooga. So eventually I was just kind of like, well, dang, I should just open shop here.
1: Well, that's really... Okay, so I really want to point that out. I don't want you to just kind of like glance over that information. Like the the fact that you targeted a market and, you know, saw that it was underserviced. So that's where you opened your shop. Like that is such a good idea that I think a lot of other piercers don't really pay enough attention to. You know, I know that there are some of those... Like the super shop chains, you know, like they're they're really paying attention to what markets they choose to open a shop in. But I think when it comes down to, um, you know, the mom and pop type piercing shops or like the sole proprietor type piercing shops, I think it's just like a, oh yeah, you know, I, I like living here, I'm gonna open a shop. I'm gonna pick the, the first open storefront that I can find. But you know, like figuring out what kind of market is there, um, who's already servicing that market, or is it, You know, saturated, -saturated, oversaturated, undersaturated. Is it near a college campus? You know, all these different (laughs) things. You know, what what's it like being able to travel in there? What's the parking situation? All those different things. Um, I I love business. I love thinking about business. You know, like there's there's another friend of mine um, around here who who's just going through the process of opening their shop, and they spent all this time and and you know, they carefully picked a location in a market that that wasn't being like fully fully serviced, you know, and or or you know they wanted to give an alternative to what was being uh, offered in that area. And it's just really cool from a business standpoint to see the success that you've had from that. So um, if you haven't heard it today, good job. Thank you. So, what were some of the challenges like? I mean, th- th- this was I don't want to assume this was your first business.
0: Yes, um, my first time ever in any kind of management position whatsoever.
1: So, what was what was that like? <laughs> what were some of the what were some of the harder things that that didn't really have to do with buying jewelry and you know making a piercing shop? Like, what were some of like the business hurdles that you had to to jump over?
0: Um, I guess I'll try to go chronologically. Like, first was finding a commercial space because when Monarch originally opened, it was within a tattoo studio who was like a friend of a friend who was like, oh, we're going to be tattoo only, but I get emails all the time for piercing, but I would never want anybody here piercing who's not of your caliber. So what do you say? Mm -hmm. So I opened Bonarch there and was only open from Halloween to the end of the year, 2015. And we like really quickly outgrew the space that we had there because it was just like a small room for jewelry displays and a small room for piercing. But like business grew much faster than I thought it would, which is The best, again, the best problem I could have, but like it was one nonetheless. Right. So um, left there at the end of the year to open Monarch standalone location. And that was far more difficult than I thought it would be on a time constraint where I wasn't making any money. So finding a commercial space with, and I wasn't prepared. Like the whole time that I had started Monarch, I wasn't, I didn't know how much work it would be.
1: Um business <laughs> yeah. is hard. Yeah, I have learned so much by you know, as a body piercer, I'm sure you've learned loads in your career, you know, enough that you could probably, you know, write a book, teach a class, all that stuff. I think a lot of skilled piercers have done that. But if you're a skilled piercer working in someone else's studio, there is like there are volumes of information that you've probably never had to think about on, on a daily basis. But as the owner, like, it's all your responsibility. So, yeah, I, I definitely get where you're coming from.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, not only are piercings my problem, every single problem is my problem now. Right. Um, so finding a commercial space was difficult because many spaces that we looked at, you know, obviously I was looking to be, like, downtown where it's kind of popping and people are shopping and the college students are. And, you know, realtors would not call me back but i also kind of don't blame them like on the one hand i look like i do so i can understand one not wanting to take me seriously but i also didn't come in with like a formal business plan and so i can see how they were like oh okay so a lot of that's on me too and i finally found a space where like the property is owned by an out of state entity mm-hmm. and so they didn't really care so they just signed up anybody right um so that's where monarch is now but Again, the business grew much more quickly than I thought it was going to, and so we're having to
1: relocate this year. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that.
0: Oh, yeah. So, in spring of this year, we already have the lease signed and everything. We know where the location is going to be. Uh, we'll be on the south side in downtown Chattanooga. Nice. Um, the new space will be 600 square feet larger than the current one, so we can have a second procedure room. I Sweet. can, yeah, I can um, apprentice or finish pr- apprenticing. Uh, Rhett who has been working with me for the past year and almost a half
1: so do you have like a Do you have a dream list because I you know, I've I've expanded my shop twice since I started and You know with my first shop. It was really just Let's just get the door open and try to make some money. I'm 21 I don't know what I'm doing and then with my next shop. It was like, okay These are the improvements that we need just just to operate at the level that I want to operate at and then the third shop was more okay, now what can we do for client experience and what we you know, to stretch out a little bit. So what are some of the things like on your on your wish list for uh, the second location or technically third location?
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm, I, I tell everybody all the time, like hopefully this is the last time I have to build out a studio because that gets old. So my, my plans for this new location are obviously to not have to turn clients down because we're often booked like maybe two days in advance. And so we're frequently turning clients down who are like, I didn't know you had to book appointments for piercing, or I didn't know you had to book so far ahead for piercing. And and it's unfortunate because I'd like everybody who calls and tries to get pierced to leave smiling. So, um, this way, not only can I apprentice rep, but I can hopefully hire another piercer and back off of piercing, not altogether, but at least full time. So I can manage the studio more than just work at it. Right. Um, because when I initially opened Monarch, the goal was kind of just like, okay, I need a place to work. I don't want to travel anymore. I'm going to open my own studio and just work there. But the longer I do this, the more I realize, like, man, my skill set is designed really well for managing a business and not just day-to-day client interactions. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, hire uh, another piercer to take on some of the more day-to-day tasks. A big thing for me is the minimizing steps and, like, the ease of flow throughout the process. So less clunkiness with, like, taking out jewelry to show to clients it's kind of making sure that there's like ease from like when the client walks in where do they step where do they go Where where is your eye led? like what are you focusing on
1: right all that stuff is really smart you know and that those are the kind of things that you as much as you try to do it with your first shop you're like you're never gonna you're never gonna have all that stuff worked out you know they're there's some things that you have to just learn through trial and error, you know, just like with body piercing, you know, like nobody's going to pick up a needle for the first time and and nail every single piercing. Like it takes you a while to dial it in. And the same thing as a business owner, you know, I, I think um, there there's really there are chapters in a career, you know, and I think one of mm-hmm. the, the biggest chapters for a piercer is taking that that conscious step back from I'm a day to day full time body piercer to. Um, I'm also a little bit more of a manager now, you know, and I, I think you, you really start to step up your career when you can, when you get comfortable delegating things to someone else. I remember for so many years of my career, it was like, okay, I have to be there eight or nine hours a day, uh, six or seven days a week, or the shop will go under. Like that was my mentality, whether it was truth or not, I, I I don't know, but that's how I felt for sure. (laughs) And then it was like, okay, um, you know, I have another piercer who can, do stuff, you know, and I know that the stuff is going to get done well. So now I have, I have six extra hours I can spend in the office making these new jewelry orders or, you know, just doing stuff, doing the boss stuff, you know, and now I'm down to two days a week piercing and, you know, I spend all my extra time doing office stuff or, you know, answering emails and planning out how the business is going to run. And that's been so successful for us as a business, you know, and I never would have been able to do that if I hadn't taken some of those chances and expanded the studio and brought in more staff and just get comfortable, like trusting that these skilled people can do their job. So now I can go off and do a different job.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Like delegating is hard and it's hard for me to like be a boss and just tell people to do things. And so I'm, I'm hopefully improving
1: all the time. So what's it like for you with with staffing? Do you have anyone other than Rhett right now?
0: My boyfriend is also, um, like, he answers shop emails and messages because we we get messages all the time, obviously, whether we're open or not. And so I don't want people to have to wait any longer than they have to. So he answers some of the um, after-hours messages. Mm -hmm. Uh, But aside from that, it's really just us right now. And so that's why I'm so anxious to get um, another excellent piercer in the studio who I can, like, trust when I leave the shop. Um, Because just like you said, like, you know, when you leave, it it feels like it feels wrong to not be there running things like I always compare it to uh, driving with your eyes closed. Like if I'm not there, if I'm on vacation, if I have a guest piercer, I trust their skills piercing, but it still feels very, very wrong. Right. To not be there.
1: I remember that for a long time, too. You know, I would take a trip and I I was like, okay, well, you know, I could take a day off and I think everything's going to be fine. but. It's when you get into that like, you know, three days off, five days off. I'm going to go to a conference in Vegas for a week. Like the shop's going to catch on fire while I'm gone kind of a thing. That's a tough tough moment to move past in your career.
0: Yeah, so I'm working on that.
1: So how did you end up finding Rhett?
0: Oh, God, I got so lucky. He and his partner were uh, clients of ours for a short time before I ended up offering him a job. He'd come in a handful of times um, to the point where like, I knew his name without having to check his idea To I'd be like, oh, right, how's it going? He had come with his partner once, and right from his first interaction, he came in and he was like, hey, I've been pierced at a handful of other shops. I have a bunch of piercings. He's like, I want them all to match. Let's get me some cool jewelry that matches. And so I was like, dope, let's do it. Um, and he's big on, like, cool colors and, like, um, light blue opals and stuff like that. So we got him a whole set of light blue opals for all his piercings. And then he came in um, in fall of 2017. And was like, hey, and was kind of bummed. And I was like, what's going on, dude? And he's like, oh, I got a new job at a call center or something. And he's like, and they're making me take all my jewelry out. And I was like, that's stupid. And he's like, yeah, I got to get retainers or something I can hide because I can't have visible piercings. And I was like, you know what you should do? You should quit that job you just got and come work for me. <laughs> <laughs> and then he did. <laughs>
1: wow, that's That's a really nice story, actually. So, I mean, it's great that you had... That you had that capability with with your shop, especially a shop that was, you know, n- not brand new, but on the newer side. I I I definitely could not afford uh, any sort of paid help for years and years and years, and I think that was something that really really held my shop back for a long time.
0: Yeah, I got really lucky, really lucky, really quickly. Like the, our growth after we left that tattoo shop only continued. Like yes, it was much slower compared to like you know comparing our numbers now to like 2016, our first full year in business and be like, oh my God, how did I make it through those slow days? Um, cause I'm not one for sitting still. Right. Um, so it's kind of crazy to look back and be like, wow, we were so slow then. Imagine that blah, blah, blah. But yeah, Monarch grew really, really quickly. And the thing that I'm the most baffled about and grateful for is, um, we've done almost no advertising.
1: And, well, you know, hmm? I, I think that word of mouth is, by far the, the best advertising you know and it's not to say that you actively didn't advertise you know because I I think a lot of shops now they're they're not they're not paying for Google ads they're definitely not paying for phone book ads anymore you know TV and radio it's not really much of a thing you know but I I really think just the the best thing you could do as a stu- as a studio is just make everybody leave with a smile and make everybody happy because that's gonna be your advertisement that's gonna be the best way to get new clients
0: Absolutely. And that is it. You know, I, I came to a city where I didn't know like anybody. So I didn't have the benefit of like, you know, getting my family and friends as like a street team to drop flyers or put the put out word of mouth. Like it's just been clients who are happy with their experience telling their friends, like, oh, you've got to go here for piercings. And I remember, you know, back when I was um in Providence at Rockstar, any time that like a thread popped up in Facebook or a client came in, they're like Oh, I asked my friends where to go for piercing, and everybody was unanimous, like, you've got to go to Rockstar. And it's really, really cool that, like, this past year, we've had so many clients who say that exact thing about Monarch. They're like, oh, I I put out an ad on Facebook or something, like, oh, who does everybody recommend for piercings? And, like, everybody said you've got to go to Monarch. And that is just overwhelming for me. That's so, so cool.
1: That's awesome. I mean, that's got to be a really good, that's got to be a really good feeling. It's got to really validate, because I'm sure... I'm sure there were some tough decisions for you, you know, like picking up and, and moving, especially to like, you know, Tennessee, not to knock Tennessee, but I mean, it's just so far from where you started and it's an in an area where now, now I think there there's a lot of good piercers around there. It's in, you know, it's established, you know, you can think of, you know, people like Born This Way and Logan and, you know, all these different people that are around Tennessee. But I I think a couple of years ago, it was a different story, you know, so it was probably it probably felt like a lot more of a gamble to move there. And it really seems like that gamble paid off.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, there's some great studios and excellent piercers in Tennessee. But like, and I come from the smallest state. So like Tennessee is a really big state. It's really a it's a wide state. So there are a lot of great shops, but like they're all kind of spaced out by like 100 to 200 miles
1: in between. Right. Um, So, you know, I not not to talk about my fucking classes again, but you know, I just <laughs> I just did the the class in Nashville and, and you know, you and Rhett were there and a handful of other piercers that I know from the area and lots mm-hmm. of other piercers that I didn't know yet. And um it's it's tough when I do these classes because like I'll think like, okay, this is a big city that's easy to fly into. And then I'm like, oh, you know, I can definitely get a couple people from like the area around there. And then I'm and then I start talking to people and they're like, Yeah, it's like a four hour drive for me to get there or a three hour drive or whatever it's like like, nobody's close to anything around there. I mean, sort of, but not really. And and that's
0: one thing that I've noticed is a huge difference, too, between, like, New England and, I'm just going to say the South, because I'm assuming it's, you know, I noticed this when I was in Atlanta and also in Tennessee now. Um, people in the South seem to be much more okay with driving long distances to get an excellent product or service. Whereas sure. in New yeah. England, I, I feel like a lot more, we had a lot more clients who were like, you know, they show up for a piercing at Rockstar in Providence, and not have their ID and be like, you may not have to go all the way back to East Providence, which is like the neighboring town.
1: Right, um, I get that all the time. And, you know, but I mean, yeah. I was in Nashua, New Hampshire, which is at the very, very bottom of New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. You were in Providence, Rhode Island, which, like, you know, there's, you could like throw a baseball across that state. But so, yeah. it, but it was like we were on two different planets. You know, it was an hour and a half apart. And uh, you probably, you know, deal with clients that are fine driving an hour hour and a half to to you to get something done or or people in that area like they're just like you said they're used to driving a little bit to get a quality service but for me if uh, if if there was like a client that was in the middle like it was this groaning thing where it's like oh i have to drive 45 minutes to go to one of these like you know the only app shops in New England you know, like there's so you know there's like five app shops and they're all within probably an hour of each other more or less But it's like we're different planets in a solar system.
0: Yeah, like really great studios in New England are are very saturated. They're very close together. Um, But here in Tennessee, they're like kind of spaced out. And what's interesting, too, is I feel like there's maybe more of a sense of like competitiveness down here. Yeah. Like I – a little bit, yeah. Like um, Stray Johnson and I started uh, the Tennessee Piercer group on Facebook for, you know, Piercers in and around Tennessee to join a network and share ideas. And um, and I personally have gone into almost every studio in and around Chattanooga that offers piercing with one of the cards, the postcards advertising for conference for the APP um, being like, hey, my name is Kelly. I own Monarch. You may have heard of us. Um, I just wanted to let you know that, like, we're members of the APP and I would like to help you join, too, if you'd like to. If you have questions or ways you need to meet environmental criteria, let me know. And I invite them to join. Like, friend me on Facebook, join the group. Like, I'd love to help them learn more, shadow me, whatever. And I've, I've been met with a lot of, like, kind of weird stares and, like, oh, it's okay, sweetie. I've been piercing X amount of years. Right. Um, and so nobody that I visit in person has taken me up on it.
1: Well, so just to play a little devil's advocate, if, if somebody had walked into my shop and, you know, let's not say – that it was specifically app because i've always been like an app fan but uh mm. if somebody came into my shop and they were like hey you know i'm this step above you and i want to help you take a step up to my level i i could see how they would maybe take that as like a who the fuck do you think you are kind of a moment but like i oh, know yeah. you i know that you would never present it that way but i i think that, Sometimes people are kind of stubborn and kind of set in their ways, and I definitely get that around here. Whenever people talk about me in, like, other shops, it's not just like, oh, yeah, you know, they do this this great jewelry. And they're always just like, oh, yeah, that guy that always, like, you know, talks about this and that and whatever that, you know, we don't really prioritize here. So I definitely get that whole, like, you know, oh, you're with APP? Cool kind of mentality.
0: Mm. Well, another thing that I thought was really cool back when I was at Rockstar is, like, Jeff was totally totally willing to teach anybody in providence like how to do a piercing like i remember there was a piercer on the other end of providence who came to watch me do a surface anchor one time because he had been piercing for years but he had never had experience with that or with certain techniques and so i did one on him and explained to him how to do it and i'm pretty sure i even asked Jeff one time i was like hey you don't re- you don't mind like teaching your potential competition and is like no why would i he's like we have a special thing so if piercing well is the only thing that's keeping us going, then like that's not that's not all right. Like I, know, I he's like, I want everybody doing well. I want everybody using safe jewelry. He's like, that's not just for us, that's for our clients' sake. And so that's how I feel here. You know, I, I don't I don't wanna walk around like I'm king shit at all. I'm just very lucky for the education I've had. And I really want everybody else to share information too. Like I have so much to learn from everybody else.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's just good to think that way in general. You know, I, I think that a lot of the younger piercers, newer piercers, get really frustrated when they don't get that interaction. You know, I, it's tough because I'm definitely, and you are too, definitely, we're in that APP bubble. And I think when you're in that bubble, it's very much like a team mentality of like, you know... Uh, oh, hey, you know this thing I don't know? Oh, show me that thing. And like, oh, you know, you don't do this thing that I do? Here, let me show you this. And it's like, yeah. this, it's this constant enthusiasm of sharing back and forth. And I think once you step outside of that APP bubble, and unfortunately it's it's kind of a different world for piercing. And, you know, when, when I meet piercers who are not in that bubble, um, I, I've heard so many different negative experiences where like, you know, people aren't allowed to shadow in other shops. They're not allowed to you know question the way that they were taught by their mentor they're not encouraged to go to seminars or conferences or you know try to shadow or stuff like that you know and it's it's gotta be crazy frustrating you know and it's probably frustrating for some of the people that listen to this podcast and hear me and you talking all like sunshine and puppies and like hey let's let's trade piercing information when you know maybe they haven't had that kinda access so yeah I don't know I don't know how to help Certain certain people like that other than just kind of extending that hand in the same way that Jeff would extend it You know, like are you I would imagine you're pretty open to shadowing in your studio
0: Oh always and I say this to anybody who will listen anybody that wants to come shadow me can come do it I would love to hang out with you I would love to I'm not a party or anything But like I'd love to get a drink with you in Chattanooga and show you things and learn from you and have you be like Well, why do you do it this way? I do it that way Yeah, anybody that wants to come visit is always always welcome
1: That's great you know, I, I think it's really cool. You know, especially the, the piercers that I met when I was in Tennessee. Um, they just seemed so, like, extra friendly. Like, I, you know, I don't meet jerks when I go to these classes. But uh, I, I think Tennessee was just... I think it was one of my my, my favorite classes that I've done recently. And I, I don't know if it was because of the venue sort of a thing, you know, for the people that weren't there. I just, I, I, rented like a big house and we all just kind of hung out in the living room. So it was more just like hanging out with friends rather than mm-hmm. like a stuffy kind of classroom environment. And we just, you know, had pizza for lunch and stuff like that. So it was a, it was a fun class, but it was a really, really good, good, uh, good group of piercers.
0: Yeah, it was super duper fun. And that's one thing that I love about Chattanooga in Tennessee because a lot of people are like, Oh, why'd you move here? But like, yeah, Chattanooga is beautiful from a business standpoint. It made sense because there was a market that wasn't really being serviced. Um, but everybody is so damn nice here. Oh my God, mm. really, really and truly. Like it's almost kind of weird when I go back and do guest spots um, at other studios, 'cause like I feel like clients are much more not pushy, but like kind of bold. They're not as compassionate to the fact that like, oh, you have other clients ahead of me. You know what I mean? Like, right. So I feel like there are a lot of times where at some other studios, and depending on the area you're in, where you kind of have to like dig your heels in and, and be like no, I said, blah, blah, blah. And like, you kind of have to be a little bit more forceful, but like that doesn't work here in Tennessee because there's no need for it. Everybody's so dang nice.
1: I mean, the South is, it's definitely like just a different speed. You know, it's more relaxed and, and in New England, it's definitely more frenetic and just kind of like, you know, sit on wait your turn, kind of a thing. And yeah. I don't know. I, I got a different vibe when I was in Tennessee, but it was a, it was a good vibe.
0: Yeah, I'm really, really grateful for it. And like, you know, that brings me back to how uncomfortable it must be for other studios when I walk in there and I'm like, Hi, I'm Kelly, da 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 Um, you know, when I was little, my dad would when he took me to the playground, he'd be like he didn't wanna actively play with me. He was more just kinda like a sit and watch me play and do my thing kind of dude. And um and I was like, Well, what do I do? Play with the other kids? And he was like, Yeah, just walk up to them and be like, Hi, I'm Kelly, wanna be my friend? And
1: <laughs> I've always
0: I've always kinda done that. I'm thirty one and I still do that. <laughs>
1: I think I think we've literally had an interaction like that before, so that's okay.
0: Yeah, totally. So, like, for me, it's it's not weird. That's just kind of, like, accept your weirdness and then move on. And so when I walk into other studios and I'm like, hi, I'm Kelly, I am Mark, da-da-da-da, like, let's hang out, let's be friends, add me on Facebook, and we'll learn from each other and do this and that. And, like, you want to join the APP? I'd love to help you join. Like, here are scholarships to help you go to conference. I want you there. I can totally understand how they're, on, at least on the one hand, kind of, like, who the fuck is this coming to my house, like trying to tell me how to do things? But I hope at least some of them will consider it more and be like, oh, you know what, like she doesn't have anything to gain by trying to help me do better.
1: Right. Well, you know, I think that's that's one of the the better things that people can can do to represent not just themselves as a piercer, but to represent the brand of the app uh, is work against those preconceived notions that some piercers might have. You know, because back in the nineties. You know, I I wasn't involved in the APP at the time, but the APP kind of earned a reputation as, like, elitist pricks, you know? And uh, now, I I don't think it could be any any farther from the truth, but uh, I, I think we still have a lot of outreach to do to those piercers who maybe, like, they don't think that the APP are elitists but their mentors definitely thought that the app was elitist so you know for someone like you to walk into a shop with a smile on your face and say like hey you know i'm part of this thing and i I want everybody to be part of this thing and if you want any help or if you have any interest in this thing i'd love to help um rather than just being like you can't sit with us
0: yeah
1: well i can't think of anything else to talk about You know, what, you know what I, I do want, again? Hmm. I, I want that hot chicken. Like, like I know that you can get spicy chicken anywhere, but like very specifically, like Tennessee hot chicken, it was, it was just, it was really good. It was a really good meal.
0: Actually, it's even more specific than that. It is Nashville hot chicken.
1: Oh, Nashville hot chicken.
0: I mean, we'll eat it anywhere, but like it is Nashville hot chicken.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it was good that I got to try a, a delicacy.
0: Yeah, in Nashville, no less.
1: Right, in Nashville. Who would have thunk it? I also went to. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been there, and it definitely seems like it's like a tourist trap kind of place. I went to an aquarium-themed restaurant that was just called Aquarium Restaurant, creatively <laughs> enough. I have n-
0: not been there or heard of it.
1: It was like a it, exactly what it sounds like. It was a giant aquarium, and you could just like sit and eat seafood oddly. Um, so you'd be like this fresh plate of fish and you'd just be watching all these fish in this gigantic aquarium. And it's not like a like a like a fish tank. It was like a proper like aquarium. So but it was cool. I went uh, I went and I ate there and I saw the Grand Old Opry with the rebel flags, which was a little bit weird. Um, yeah, there's so. a lot of those here. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't want to judge, but uh, it was just weird seeing that. But um, yeah, so Nashville it seemed like it was a really nice city.
0: Yeah, I mean, Nashville is a little, it, again, still a little bit too much city for me. Uh, yeah. Chattanooga is really my speed. I would love for you to come to Chattanooga at some point.
1: Well, um, you know, don't hold your breath. I, I don't think I'll be back in, in Tennessee for a while, but I, I would like to go back so I can, you know, maybe make more of an effort to uh, to get out and around a little bit. I was only in Nashville for like three days and honestly like the whole trip was just based around wrestling shows and I added on the seminars so that I wouldn't just be like sitting by myself all day every day (laughs) oh I know Uh, you did yeah yeah (laughs) I have no shame in that
0: um yeah we gotta get some wrestling show happening in Chattanooga
1: yeah well I guess there's a lot of wrestling around Tennessee I'm not going to take over this conversation with with wrestling but yeah uh the the really cool thing is you know that I'm doing a, a class with Jeff next month in Glasgow right
0: I have seen the ads that you posted. Yeah.
1: So the night before in Glasgow, guess what they're having?
0: Is it wrestling?
1: It's wrestling. <laughs> so I, I got some tickets. I'm making Jeff go with me and a couple other people. So it's gonna be super fun.
0: That's fucking radical.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be really cool.
0: Um, who else is going with y'all? Like other people that I know?
1: Um. Well, Lola Slider, I don't. I don't think you've met. I don't think Lola's been over at the APP conference yet. But like um I'll, I'll definitely introduce you to this year in vegas but lola is gonna be like a bright shining star or actually already is a bright shining star in the uk piercing scene so um she's definitely someone to to meet i really tried you know my my other piercer evan right
0: yeah he, he's a sweetie
1: Yeah, yeah so i really wanted to bring him over to scotland but it just didn't work out you know getting coverage and all that stuff so Uh, boo no evan in scotland but we're gonna have a really good time you know there's a good amount of people and i'm gonna force as many of them as possible to come to the wrestling show with us yes yeah it's cool all right kelly um thanks for talking to me and maybe we'll do uh like a follow-up episode after you get your new location up and running
0: i would love 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 that
1: so one more time just kind of tell people what's your social media where can they find you where can they find your shop
0: yeah, um, so I'm Kelly Carvara, and the studio I own is Monarch Fine Jewelry and Professional Piercing. We're will uh, we're in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and we'll be relocating in spring of this year to uh, downtown on the south side. Nice. Um, and you can find us on monarchpiercing.com, at monarchpiercing on Instagram.
1: All right, well, thanks for talking to me, Kelly. Yeah, thank you. All right. Thanks for coming on the show, Kelly. I appreciate it. And I'd love to have you back on the show. Once you've moved into your new studio and kind of talk to me about the different challenges with opening that. And, uh, that actually just kind of gives me a natural segue into next week's show because I've actually planned more than a week out and I know what's going to be next week's show. Uh, I, I re-interviewed Matt Bonantono. Matt was on the show about a year ago, uh, I did one of my first private seminars was was at Black Lotus Tattoo Gallery um, in, in Maryland, and, and that's where Matt was working at the time. He had a piercing business inside of someone else's tattoo business and uh, you know offered me the, the invite to come and teach a class there, and that's what kind of started me down the path of doing all these private seminars. So really appreciative of that opportunity. And uh, Matt has since moved on and opened his own piercing studio in Maryland called Freya, and uh, that's what we talk about. We talk about kind of transplanting from going from one smaller business, especially, you know, more of a component to a tattoo shop and moving to a a body piercing only business. So it's a great conversation. We talk a lot about the different challenges, uh, different things about studio ownership that some piercers might not think of. So really good conversation. Uh, Definitely stay tuned. Next week I'll be back and we'll talk all about that stuff. One last reminder, uh, I've got that class Monday, March 18th in the Los Angeles area. It's actually going to be in the, the North Hollywood Hills, but you can go to precisionbodyarts.com seminars. You can get all the information for that class, get yourself registered, I'd love to see you there. Uh, then I've also got that Glasgow class. If you are anywhere in the UK area and you wanna go to go to Scotland, if you wanna come to Glasgow and, and do a class, it's gonna be uh, myself and Jeff Saunders. We're gonna be doing a little bit about bevel theory, a little bit about disposable techniques, and then we're gonna be doing a lot of hands-on workshop stuff and really showing you in your own hands how you perform piercings that way, how you utilize those techniques, how you practice it, how you dial it in. So a couple of really good classes coming up. I'm really excited. Uh, lots of other classes. I've had lots of other offers for, you know, come here and teach a class. We'd really like you to come here and teach a class. So I really think 2019 is going to be a strong year for those private seminars. I'm really excited, really looking forward to it. If you're a body piercer, if you're a studio owner, um, if you have a space that you'd you'd like me to come and teach a class in and it can accommodate, you know, let's say around 30, 35 people with tables and chairs, I would absolutely love to come teach a class just about anywhere. I love body piercers, I love traveling, I love teaching, so uh, it kind of ticks all the boxes for me, especially if there's like a wrestling show in your area, uh, double thumbs up. And even if you're not the, uh, the studio owner, if you're just a body piercer and you know uh, you know a couple other body piercers in your area that would be interested in taking class, go ahead and reach out. You know, Let me know where you are. I'll try to get a class as close to you as possible. Um, email me at ryanpba at gmail.com or send me a Facebook message. So I will be back next week with that interview with Matt Bonantono, And thanks for listening. I appreciate it. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like piercingwizardpodcast Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit PrecisionBodyArts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.